Episode 894. After being up most of the game and having several opportunities to win, the Green Bay Packers had to settle for a tie with the Minnesota Vikings. So who's to blame? Maybe the referees? It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good evening, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central on Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Carivu. Joined by my, my co-host, Ben Hofferman, that's Saul Binnis on Twitter. Ben, how are you doing today? Greetings. Doing well. How are you? <laughs> Very good. Glad you could be here with us. The Green Bay Packers tied the Minnesota Vikings 29-29. to Let's get to it. What the hell's going on out here? Ben, your general impressions on the game. Before we begin, can a, can a podcast end in a tie? <laughs> Do, are we keeping score? I don't know. I, people at home probably are. They're like, Brian's doing better, plus two points. Don't worry, we're not going to end in a tie. Bud Selig out there is booing. Yeah. Well, they, they, they frequently call a tie kissing your sister. Your, your sister's in the audience here tonight. Do you want to give her and a kiss? And you're married to her, so I don't know where this is going. This is really awkward. Everyone stopped eating in here. There's, there's no chewing. <laughs> we'll move on. What an impression. This is a good impression of the game. Yeah, I'm just trying to distract everyone from it. No one wants to really think about this one. So the Packers have been insanely close to going 2-0, and and at the same time, they've been insanely close to being 0-2. What is the real Packers team? Oh, I don't know. I think we're kind of seeing it. It's, it's, there's not going to be consistency on the defensive end for a while. They're young. So I'm not you know, upset. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not going to go crazy here. I'm one of the few Packer fans that has not sharpened his pitchfork yet this year, I think. So I, I just don't think uh, there's enough consistency on either end of the, on either side of the ball. So big, big pressing question here, and it's been a talking point ever since the game, even during the game, the officiating of this game, and of course the, the biggest impact or the biggest you know, takeaway, the biggest point people trying to, to point at uh, would be the penalty on Clay Matthews for roughing the passer, uh, a play in which the Packers had what would have been a game-sealing interception and would have come away with the victory had it not happened. Was it a penalty or was it not? I haven't heard a sane explanation for that penalty yet. I think the NFL is the only one that is really sticking with that that was an illegal play and it makes sense that that should be penalized. I th- the NFL, are they just courting controversy at this point? Are they like the old lady that swallowed the fly? I think it's like this distracting <laughs> us from the national anthem, which they concocted to distract us from CTE, which, uh, what, did, did they invent that? Like, does this all stem back from, like, Janet Jackson's watery nipple? Is that what this, <laughs> I don't know, I don't understand that ruling. Because they have come out firmly backing it up, saying, like, not only is that, should be penalized, but this is an example of the rule. Yeah. Uh, to me, uh, I am totally against uh, not just the hit on that Clay Matthews dished out, uh, but the one 
that uh, was uh, penalized on, against Aaron Rodgers when um, Eric Kendricks hit him. And even that I saw as a little bit more of a little bit of like scoop and lift is this, this term we're starting to hear that is outlawed by the NFL. Um, I, I don't think either should have been penalized. And they, to me, have been textbook tackles. Uh, exactly what you want to teach a young kid who's playing football right. to go around the midsection, wrap up, and, and take them to the ground. I get it that it, there's a fine line uh, between you know lifting somebody up and like body slamming them, especially a uh, quarter the quarterback position who can't help but just stand in the pocket. But you know what? Where is that line? I don't think we're that close to it, honestly. I mean, if you you're gonna have to pull the legs out from under them, and they're gonna they're gonna fall. There was no lift and, and slam. I mean, we've seen some nasty hits that used to be celebrated by the NFL, and now they're going to the opposite extreme. I, the officiating was poor outside of that too. There was a questionable hold that brought that Jimmy Graham touchdown back. That would have sealed it, and then you got that Clay Matthews one that uh, would have been the actual dagger. Uh, Wayne Larrabee called the dagger on that earlier one with Clinton Dix, and I was a little surprised. And then there was the two, <laughs> yes, he did. There was the two plays, uh, the pass interference early in the game, two plays apart, one in which uh, the defensive back interfered with Jimmy Graham, and it wasn't called, and then the other one against uh, uh, Devontae Adams, the push-off that was called that was very minor, uh, lots of instances in this game in which you could argue that the officiating worked against Green Bay. Yeah, it was. It impacted the game. It's. I'm not going to say that it decided the game, even though that obviously that one with with Clay Matthews would have been the official end of it. The Packers missed opportunities to put this one away. I'm not going to completely throw this one on the refs. It's no. It's no fail Mary. <laughs> no fail Mary. We've had some bad ones in our in our history here. It's easy to say this on week two, you know, that's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, there is a lot of time left in the season. This is the playoffs I'd have my pitchfork out. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's talk about our chips report. The blue chips, the red chips, and the cow chips. Your blue chips being the best of the best, the best players on the field this particular game. One of them goes out to, uh, should be no surprise, Mr. Aaron Rodgers. Oh, I mean... Yes, last week we said that I, I believe we gave him supernatural powers. The, I actually I came back from Minnesota over this weekend, so I got to listen to the Minnesota broadcast on the radio, and then it, and I, we had to transfer to the Green Bay radio. The, the beginning of the, the Vikings one, they had this guy come on with like a street preacher shtick, and he actually went into this thing that Aaron Rodgers actually isn't Jesus, <laughs> that he can't walk on water, and he, he, he was quoting Bible passages. It was bizarre, like... We're joking when we say that. So, yeah, he's, he was good. Aaron Rodgers completed 30 out of 42 passes for 281 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, along of 34 yards, a passer rating of 97.4. Pretty good numbers. You'd like to maybe see a little bit more passing yardage out of those 30 completions. The average yards per completion wasn't all that great, but... Aaron Rodgers was far from the problem in this game. He did his job. Some other people did not. One other guy who did his job, your other blue chip performer from the Packers tie against the Vikings, 
wide receiver Geronimo Allison. He wasn't the team's leading receiver either in yardage or receptions, but he did finish with six receptions for 64 yards. He had a long of 22, some big first downs in the fourth quarter, especially when they were trying to put away the game. And even more so than that, he of the block punt that ended in the touchdown. Yes, which was a fantastic play if you didn't get to see it. And he completely outstretched the the block that one. It was fantastic. I I almost missed it. The Vikings uh, radio, (laughs) it was like they were describing a newspaper, like being blown across the field. Oh, and there's a block punt and a touchdown. (laughs) It's like, what? That's a a pretty big moment. Of course, they want to. Yeah, a little gusto here. Come on. Um, uh, the, the Packers special teams coach, Ron Zook, doing some fantastic scheming on that. It was the, the blitz by the cornerback coming way off the edge that brought the attention of the blocker and, and that allowed Geronimo Allison to go through. But no doubt, Allison outstretching to get his hand on the football. Fantastic job. Your red chip players from this game, the good, maybe not great. One of them goes out to the young cornerback, the rookie, Jair Alexander, who had the game-sealing interception taken away from him. But beyond that, uh, you know, doing a good job in coverage. You can argue that the reception he gave up to Adam Thielen, the touchdown, maybe wasn't his fault because of Kentrell Bryce. Um, Oh, yeah, we're going to get to that. (laughs) We're going to get to that. But your thoughts on on Alexander and and how he's doing so well as a rookie. Yeah, that's uh, that's exactly what we were looking for in the back in corners is someone who's got a knack out there on the field someone who, who's he just plays he's been playing great he's that one guy where you, you want to see him in the play at the end of the at the end of the game you want to see it going towards him because you know he's he's got his head in the right spot yeah second leading tackler in the game for the Packers seven tackles got the half a sack on the blitz uh, that he shared with uh, I believe it was Nick Perry or was it Reggie Gilbert? Regardless, uh, doing a good job, the rookie. Your other red chip player from this game, in addition to Jair Alexander, Ty Montgomery. His stat line, nothing fantastic here, nothing that really stands out above all the others. Montgomery, five rushes for 31 yards, but a 6.2 yard per carry average. That's impressive as a running back, along as 16. He only caught one pass that went for nine yards. Uh, but it went for a first down. But on top of that, a guy who did a great job in pass protection, in my opinion, several times picking up b- blitzes to keep Aaron Rodgers clean. That was that was something I was concerned about going into it. Last week was rough as far as uh, the offensive line. That's the kind of guy you want to have in the backfield. He can run. He, he's physical. He can, uh, he can plug things up. Yeah, he, he just did a little bit of every phase of the game that I thought added up to being a very, very good performance for somebody like him. Now your cow chip players, uh, who played the worst of the Green Bay Packers? I can't sugarcoat it any other way. One of them going out to Tremont Williams, who was a uh, responsible party for the coverage against Stephon Diggs. First touchdown of the game when he kind of got lost uh, on the motion. Also uh, gave up the two-point conversion to uh, Stephon Diggs and had a couple missed tackles during the game, including to running back Delvin Cook. Not a great performance for Tremont Williams. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I think you're just going to have bad days. I'm not, I'm, I don't think uh, there's anything to worry about with Tremont Williams yet. 
but uh, that was not a that was not fun watching him out there. Do you think that these young guys like Jair Alexander and Josh Jackson could eventually supplant Tremont Williams in playing time? Like right now, Tremont Williams has been out there 100% of the defensive snaps when like Alexander and uh, Jackson are, are playing, you know, like half or three quarters. Should that be flipped? Let the young guys with fresh legs be out on the field all the time keep the veteran like Tremont Williams fresh you can argue that but you can also it's the it's the youthful player it's the inexperience that allows for those big back-breaking plays those big 75-yard touchdowns so I yeah he might be out there too much but I think they're doing it for for that reason your other cow chip player from this game safety Kentrell Bryce the head-scratching play of the game in which Bryce is shooting in like a missile to uh, the touchdown pass that goes to Adam Thielen with Jair Alexander in coverage. Kentrell Bryce could have done two things. He could have gone after the ball and gotten an interception or at least break it up, or he could have like made contact with the receiver just as the ball is coming in. He didn't either. Yeah, he, he was caught in no man's land. He didn't know to play the player or the ball. It's like, like they say, with the Titanic could have turned sooner or later, and it would have made it through the <laughs> the iceberg. Is that true? All I, I know for a fact that Leonardo DiCaprio had his hands in some dirty drawings. That one's factual. <laughs> I think if that thing with the iceberg's true. But anyway, he was in that no man's land. He could have played. One of the two decisions probably would have stopped that play. I'm sure that's what Kentrell like. Kentrell Bryce likes being compared to the Titanic. That's his new nickname, the Titanic. Hopefully he. He, he has a chance to get out of on. it. That's not going to catch on. <laughs> anyway, uh, that is your chips report from the Packers 29-29 tie versus the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, right now, uh, a little advertisement for B-Rock, where we are broadcasting live here this episode of Railbird Central. On Friday, September 28th, Three Sheeps Brewing Company is coming to B-Rock for pint night. Starting at 5 o'clock p.m., all customers that buy a pint of Three Sheeps beer get to keep the glassware. On tap that day will be freshly tapped kegs of Fresh Coast Juicy Pale Ale, Rebel Ken Amber, and a special bourbon barrel-aged imperial stout called The Wolf. Again, that's Friday, September 28th, starting at 5 o'clock p.m. for Three Sheeps Pint Night. And with that, we're going to break here just for a moment. We're going to get to our guest. We've got Nathan Yonke of Pro Football Focus coming up to talk a little Packers football and the uh, statistical analysis side of things coming up in just a moment. Hang with us, folks. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? Railbird Central is back, coming to you live from B-Rock in Madison, Wisconsin. And we're joined right now on the phone by Nathan Yonke of Pro Football Focus. Nathan, how are you doing today? Hey, good evening. Happy to be back on. How are you doing? Very good. We're glad to have you back on the show. It's been a while since we last talked, but I've got lots of questions for you, Nathan. Let's get to it. Uh, Nathan, what makes Aaron Rodgers with one healthy leg better than most quarterbacks with two legs? What, what's he been doing so well these first two weeks of the season? Um, he's 
been doing a couple of things pretty remarkably in this last game and a half or so. Um, he, one thing that he's always been great at is moving around the pocket, being able to get a feel of where he needs to be in order to extend plays. And even with the injured leg, he's been able to still do that um, on plays where he's thrown the ball after 2.5 seconds or more. He's still graded as one of the top three quarterbacks in the league in that situation. And with that, uh, he's been able to maintain the same accuracy that he's had throughout his career uh, and one of the most accurate uh, quarterbacks, and that's remained true. And then another big thing with him is he's been able to avoid mistakes. Um, it's something he's done throughout his career, and even with the hurt like he's been able to keep on doing that. Um, of course, there's been a couple uh, slightly inaccurate throws throughout these last two games, but uh, he hasn't really had a throw where you're like, uh, that should have been intercepted or that very well could have been intercepted. He's really been able to uh, completely avoid those so far this season. So uh, he's been having a good season despite the injury. Yeah, uh, Aaron Rodgers just being his normal, typical self. Uh, Nathan, the, the Packers, of course, get back Aaron Jones this week after being reinstated from suspension, the second-year running back. But how has the running game looked the first two weeks with him gone? Um, I think it's been pretty average so far this season. Um, I know they don't have as many rushing yards compared to a lot of other teams in the league, but they also haven't been running as much, so uh, that's to be expected. Um, one positive note with them is they've been among the top ten teams in converting their runs into first downs. So uh, when they have been running the ball, at least they've been able to get first downs a decent amount of the time. Um, I think the offensive line has been pretty average so far as a unit. And the backs have been able to do the most with um, what the offensive line has given them. They've had some nice runs that way. Uh, they just uh, Neither of the two running backs have been able to really break any large runs. They haven't been breaking too many tackles. So they're getting to where they need to be based on what the offensive line does well. Uh, just haven't had that big playability. So I think uh, with Jones back, Jones showed a little bit of that last year. So um, it might be a boost to the Packers running game going forward. Yeah, in my opinion, uh, Jamal Williams and Ty Montgomery have been doing average to good so far. Hopefully, Aaron Jones puts them over the edge. Uh, Nathan, after being invisible uh, during week one, or mostly invisible, we saw Jimmy Graham become a bigger part of the offense in week two. What, what was the difference between last week and this week? I think one of the things is uh, the extended players that I was talking about with Rodgers, he was able to have a couple of those where uh, Graham was the target and was able to throw some uh, pretty accurate balls to him. And even though Graham seemed like he was pretty well covered, Graham was still able to come away with some of those catches um, on deeper targets. So I think that was one of the big differences is uh, he was able to see some good passes on in those situations where against the Bears, uh, there were two of those, but on both of them, um, he really didn't have a chance to catch it based on where the ball placement was and where the defenders were. So I think that was one of the big things. I think another one is um, in both games, the Packers had a couple plays that were just designed short passes, uh, quick outs, those kind of things that were designed to Graham. And, and against the Bears, he was pretty much tackled a couple of yards after he caught the ball where against the Vikings, he was able to break one uh, break a tackle in one of those situations, and that helped him gain yards. So I think really it was he had uh, some better opportunities, and he was also able to make uh, the best out of those opportunities better than he was the week before. 
Moving from the offensive side of the ball to defense, uh, the defensive interior line has been mostly solid so far this season. If you had to pick one standout out of this group who's, who's got a bunch of, you know, arguably future and former pro bowlers, uh, who's been playing the best? Uh, sure. First off, I'd agree with you that I think all three of the guys are playing pretty well. Um, I think we've seen all of them play better, so there's definitely a chance that they could improve as the season goes on together. But um, if I had to pick one of them that's standing out amongst the group, I would say it's Kenny Clark. Um, he has more positively graded plays from Pro Football Focus uh, than the other two players, and he's doing it a lot of the times playing nose tackle. And it's harder to make plays, get pressures, make stops in the run game uh, from the nose tackle position compared to uh, the other positions. And uh, Clark in general over the last two games, he's been standing out pretty favorably amongst other nose tackles in the league. Um, he's one of four players that have two tackles either for no gain or for a loss uh, from being lined up from the nose tackle position. And then as a pass rusher, he's one of five players with three or more pressures while lined up there. So um, he's doing pretty well compared to all the other nose tackles in the league. So um, I still think he, we've seen a little bit better from him last year, and there's definitely a chance he'll uh, play better later this season. But I think Clark and the other two players as well are playing well so far this year. Good young player in Kenny Clark, no doubt about it. Uh, the Packers added two inside linebackers late in training camp, Antonio Morrison and Corey Toomer. And Nathan, neither of them have really stood out to me so far. But among the two, at least, who's displaying the more consistency? I think, first off, they're not standing out a lot because the Packers have been using a lot of dime defense and even sometimes seven defensive backs on the field at the same time. Uh, they've been doing that about 60% of the time, and uh, Blake Martinez has been playing every snap so far, so neither of them have had a huge opportunity to get on the field all that much. Uh, Morrison's played 33 snaps so far, Tumor, seven of them so far. Uh, Morrison has missed two tackles, and in coverage, uh, there's been a couple of times where uh, he's uh, been in zone coverage and has gotten away from his zone a little bit, which has allowed a player to catch the ball, so... Um, on the bright side, he was able to make a couple of nice tackles in the two games, so it hasn't been all bad from him. And then in Tumor, in just seven snaps, um, there was one play where he had Dalvin Cook one-on-one -on -one in coverage, and that didn't end well for him, but he's also had his stop in the run game as well. So um, I wouldn't say either are playing all that consistent so far, but neither of them have had much of a chance to either. Nathan, we, we talked earlier in the show about the secondary, and there are obviously some defensive lapses from that unit in the past game. But, you know, taking the first two weeks into account, what, where's the weak link been in the secondary so far? Where can the Packers get better there? Yeah, I think as a unit they're playing a little bit better than they have been in the past. But if I were to pick one weak point, it's probably Kevin King, and that's more so from the game against Chicago than this last week against Minnesota, where I know he was hurt for part of the game. But um, over the two games, he allowed a touchdown and two first downs and one-on-one coverage. Um, a big problem he had against Chicago was uh, Tariq Cohen, both in the run game as well as uh, after he caught the ball. Um, he had a couple missed tackles in that game, so uh, he's um, been a little inconsistent over his time. Um, it hasn't been all that from him. He did 
have a couple plays where he's had close coverage, and that helped lead to some incompletions. But um, he's really the only player in the secondary that's shown weakness in both the run game and the pass game so far. Fair enough. Uh, Nathan, before we let you go, uh, looking ahead to week three, Packers-Washington, what is the matchup to watch in this game coming up? I think a really interesting one will be Lane Taylor against Jonathan Allen from Washington. Um, Allen, someone who a year ago was a first-round pick, uh, pro football focus and myself were high on him, but then he missed uh, the majority of his rookie season with injury. But he's off to a strong start so far this year. Uh, he's had two hits and one hurry in each of his first two games. And uh, Taylor's someone who it's his third year as a starter, um, so it's really time where I think he should be stepping up his game a bit. Uh, had the contract recently as well. And I think um, he's allowed a couple pressures so far already this year, four of them where the Packers are kind of used to their guards rarely allowing any pressure. Um, had a little bit of a challenge against the Vikings, Sheldon Richardson being uh, one of the better interior pass rushers in the league. But Richardson played a bit more on the other side, where in this game in particular, Allen lines up exclusively on the offensive left side. So Taylor and Allen will be going head-to-head with each other pretty much the entire game. So I think this will be one of Taylor's uh, greatest challenges this season. So I'm interested to see how he'll do. Looking forward to it. Nathan, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. If I'm correct, this would be like the seventh consecutive seasons you and I have talked on Railbird Central. It's uh, I'm happy to have you on the show and glad to hear your voice again. Of course, happy to be back and happy to be uh, happy to be on again sometime again this season. Sounds good. We'll talk to you later, Nathan. See ya. Have a good one. That's Nathan Yankee of Pro Football Focus joining us here at Railbird Central on a Tuesday evening at Beer Rock. Let's get back to talking to Ben Hofferman here as we're going to go through some mailbag questions. I solicited some questions on Twitter, and Ben, I'll ask you this. From Rusty Wise, uh, who has a two-part question here, uh, take these uh, one at a time. First of all, he said, I why? can take them both. <laughs> why did the defense allow the Vikings to drive right downfield to a 35-yard field goal? attempt the last series of overtime because they're not that good um <laughs> it certainly wasn't because they're tired i you know the the packers had the ball for over 12 minutes in the fourth quarter you don't think i mean i think that it may have played a little bit in terms of like man it was a hot day it was overtime you know they played 70 minutes that the vikings must do a lot more push-ups or something because <laughs> it didn't seem to be wearing them down i just think they're they're just not that good right now. Fair enough. That's a boring answer. See, now, why couldn't you have asked Nathan that question? That guy knows everything. I bet his bedroom looks like a serial killer. Just stats all over the place. Rusty's second part question. With the play of the safeties causing big plays for the opponent and a week one shortage at linebacker, where is second-round pick Josh Jones? He's not at safety or linebacker. Where then? I guess the easy answer to this question is Josh Jones, you know, has been injured the first two games and he hasn't played. But, I mean, yeah. where is the spot for him when he comes back? And, and do you think the former second-round draft pick can have an impact? Oh, I mean, there's, there's opportunity for him. This is a defense where someone can step up and really carve their own spot out. There's a lot of moving pieces. People aren't set 
out there on defense. So he's got a chance to, to make a, a splash. Yeah. But uh, I'm not I'm not sure if he'll be able to do it. If, if Kentrell Bryce struggles as much as he did, that could open the door for somebody else. Uh, question from Diane at Di Bolins on Twitter. Uh, she writes: The Packers' pass rush seems to be sorely lacking in the first two games. Are there any players currently available that could help the Packers this season at this position? And in your opinion, would the Packers consider pulling the trigger to acquire one? Uh, if you don't mind, I can start here. And just by saying this is that I'm certainly not one to be looking around the league and seeing who is available out there to be signed off the street or, or who is available via trade. I don't know the other teams that well. But I do know if there's any place on the team that could use some help, I would say outside linebacker, pass rusher. Yeah, I can see the Packers pulling off a trade. I could see them signing somebody off the street just to try someone, anyone, to get more of a pass rush. Yeah, it's pretty ineffectual right now. I don't, I don't know of a player myself either. I was kind of, I saw the question. I was looking around. You know, there's some, there's some spots, some players for next season. You know, that are going to become free agents. I don't know. I mean, obviously we're. That question's kind of salt in the wounds after watching Cleo Mack run rampant on his last week. You know, that was the, that was the big miss. Um, but I guess we'll see how it goes. I, it, we, we definitely need some help. You do think that definitely the NFL draft in 2019, the Packers are probably going to spend an early round pick on a pass rusher. If not the first, if not day one, day two, then you got to think that's coming. Yeah, cheer against the Saints. We got their <laughs> yeah. pick coming up, so we want them losing everything. Yeah. First pick in the draft the Packers can get if the Saints can just tank. Um, question from PacFan1 on Twitter. It appears that the Packers have faced two top defenses already, and they didn't do so bad. But it appears that something is still missing. Is it safety? Is it more pass rush? Is it wide receiver depth? Uh PacFan1 can't seem to figure out what it is. Ben, what is it? Where, what's the weak link? What's missing? I, I, I feel like there's not one weak link. It's just that there's not one strength that we can rely on when we need to stop. We've been talking about the pass rush not being there. We've been talking about some of the gaps in the secondary. That When you're looking to get a stop, I mean, the, the, to, to be fair, the, the defense did give us some stops. We came out of, that, out of the first half and we got two, three and outs to start the second half, but at the end of the game, you know, who are you relying on? Who are you going to? We don't have that right now. We've got Clay Matthews, who has grown morbidly timid. I think early reports are that he is pantomiming over the cat from a safe distance of six feet. He's become pen pals with his wife. The mosquitoes are having a field day on him. He won't swat a thing. He hasn't hit a high five since last Tuesday. So I don't know. We need somebody to, to step up. Yeah, if I were to say there's a weak link on this team, it would be the pass rush. You've got when, when you know, Clay Matthews is coming out of the game just for a breather, you've got Kyler Fackrell going into the game in, in critical situations. Who? Yeah, Exactly, and, and he's... What's a Fackrell? You, you know, it, it, he, at his best, is probably worse than Clay Matthews at his worst, so I, I don't want to see him on the field very often. Uh, if at all, other than special teams, and uh, you know, or on third down, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just do we want someone just to stand there and not even just 
just not to be a controversy. Just go out there and just keep your clothes on, kid. Yeah, I talked about playing time before for Tremont Williams. Maybe it's time to talk about playing time for Clay Matthews, who's been seeing the most snaps of the outside linebackers for the Packers, whereas you know Nick Perry and Reggie Gilbert have been seeing less. Maybe that should be flip-flopped, you know. Maybe Reggie, I, Reggie Gilbert's got to see the field more. He just makes things happen. And, and, you know, Clay Matthews now in, what, his ninth year in the NFL, something like that. Maybe it's time to, you know. Go the way of the shampoo yeah. ad. Well, I just meant keep him fresh, but. Oh, okay. I mean. Yeah, let's get him in the showers more. <laughs> okay. And, uh, all right. Looking right. ahead to week three for the Green Bay Packers. Ah, uh, yes. This will be, be relaxing. Noon on Sunday. Kick your feet up. Here comes Alex Smith. Nothing to worry about this week. The Green Bay Packers travel to the Washington Racial Slurs. Yep, thank you. Where, how do you see this game going, Ben? Oh, I'm just, we're fu- bang on the drum all day. Like, I wish it was at home because we could just hear that one over and over again. <laughs> This, this is going to be it. This is this will be easy. Cue the Todd Rundgren. We're, yeah, we're exactly. Cue the Todd Rundgren. He's <laughs> he's still very proud of himself. Um, I I was very fortunate to actually speak to Todd Todd Rundgren recently. And what he have to say? Oh, he said, uh, "Can I get this part in time?" <laughs> I had no idea who he was. He's like, "I'm Todd Rundgren. You know who I am?" I was like, "No." Well, for for context here, for the people who are are not you know at home listening. Oh yeah 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 yeah. I work at a place that sells musical equipment. And Toddy Rundgren gave us a call. And he uh, thought I should know who he was. But had, had I known it was him, I would have done nothing differently. <laughs> Todd Rundgren, uh, more popular in Wisconsin than any other state probably. And there's going to be plenty of time next week to talk about fact, Todd, Toddy Rundgren factoids. Go on his Wikipedia page. It's, it's, a, it's a joy because we are going to walk all over Washington. It'll be, I think... Rogers is going to have nice four touchdown day, but maybe let's go three. He's going to go three. He's going to have 300 yards passing. A run game will kind of look good. The secondary will come up big stops. Well, they'll all be chest bumping and getting picks. <laughs> you know, it's it'll be a nice fall day. Yeah, I, I do think the Packers can pull this out even on the road. Pull even it though, out? Come on. Yeah, I, I do. This will be easy. <laughs> my my score prediction is 28 to 20. Uh, I'll, I'll, I guess you could say that's a one-score game, you know, with a touchdown and a two-point conversion. But do, do you have a, I'll a go point? I'll go 34-16. 34 points for the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Wow. They're really going to crush the racial slurs. Alex Smith, name, name, name the, the Washington racial slur that we are, are afraid of going into this game. What about Adrian Peterson? Ah. Yeah, Packers have seen Adrian Peterson enough now. They, he, they ran kinda... for, he ran for 20 yards against the Colts. <laughs> Fair enough. That's going to do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us uh, today, uh, listening in at cheeseheadtv.com, coming out to Beer Rock and listening here. Uh, you gotta, you got to come out on Tuesday nights. We have back-to-back Badgers and Packers podcast before we go on the air uh, Jay Kokorowski and bu- hosts the Bucky's Fifth Quarter podcast, and then we follow it up at 8 p.m. So come on out sometime, come see us. I'm drinking a Johnny Blood Red from Titletown Brewing Company as we speak. Got 24 beers on tap. I'm sure you can find one that you like, but that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you, Ben, for joining me here. Yes, two nipple references. 
<laughs> I did it. He is Saul Binnis on Twitter, S-A-U-L-B-I-N-N-E-S. Give him a follow. Yeah, join my mom. We are out, and we leave you today with a song called Barker by Keller Williams on Psy Fidelity Records. See you Where's, later, everyone. Go, Pack, go. Where, where's the run, Grin?